This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, I am back again. This is John Katsimatidis along with uh, Rita Cosby, and in the studio with us, uh, the New York State uh, Chairman of the Republican Party, Ed Cox. Ed, uh, Happy New Year. Happy, happy New, New Year. Year. Happy, happy I, New Year, I would say Rita. John is the Energizer Buddy. I don't yeah. know if I'm coming or going. <laughs> I know, John. You have been on. You, know, you were on, on this at, morning. And it's... on at the, when the clock struck 12. Yeah, so he's been I, I was here. on last night. So uh, <laughs> about me and Curtis left here about 1230. Uh, 12.30, quarter to one. And then uh, Curtis was back at 6 o'clock in the morning. I was back at about 8. And uh, you're called that's what that's called a diehard. Trisha and I were that in loafing. We were just watching the fireworks at midnight. Oh, and I went yeah, to a little restaurant. In Central Park, I understand. Yeah. Yes, Central yes. Park. Yeah, I went to a little restaurant. They, they had the mini marathon. And I saw the fireworks from one direction and I saw the ball drop from the oh. other direction. But at a distance, at a distance. <laughs> so I was like, OK, I kind of had the best of all worlds and not a lot of crowds. So that was good. <laughs> and and who, who, who texted me, told me he was with you? Somebody, I forget who. Oh, I don't know. It was. I, oh, I don't know. Oh, maybe yeah. I, I have to wonder. I wasn't, cause I, it wasn't too crowded where I was. Maybe it was with me in spirit. I'm not sure. <laughs> Somewhere. I'm not sure. Like, but we had to watch yeah, the ball drop out. on TV. I have to say, we didn't have the same view you had. Yeah, we had, we nice. had a countdown here at uh, WABC and, uh, we had tons of uh, listeners and, and, uh, it was fun talking to all the, uh, uh, listeners. My favorite was last year, uh, John. Remember, I joined uh, you and Margo last year, and one of the first callers I remember was from Beckley, West Virginia. Yes. And Beckley, West isn't Virginia. That where Margo had done like huge and dancing and performing. Where I wrote a story about the Oh, that's miners. right. You did too. That's I visited right. Beckley, West that's Virginia. Right. Yeah. That's right. And, and the caller was so and happy. You were there to talk also way back when. I've been and, through and, there. By exactly. Way, on Sunday show. I had Senator Joe Lieberman on, and I always enjoy talking to him, and, and it was a long conversation. And he, High he must have made, he, he made news on almost every newspaper in Washington and, and in London. And, uh, and then I talked to Nancy Jacobson, and uh, she asked me, well, who, who would I support if there was a the third party? I said to her, uh, I thought Joe Manchin was a very decent person. And I don't think she liked what I said. Oh. <laughs> she was a congresswoman, wasn't she, from? PR, who? PR, Nancy, PR. Nancy Jacobson was Evan Bayes' chief of staff about 100 years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then okay. now goes into PR, right? She does a lot of PR yeah, with does, no, no labels. She runs no labels. No labels, yes, exactly. No la- no Nancy labels. Jacobson okay. runs no labels. By the way, I don't know what label to give uh, these protesters because 2024 starts, John and Ed, and already we're hearing of these are these are these anti-Israeli protesters block 
blocking some of the roadways to JFK. I mean, come on. They did it last week. This is such a busy travel day of the year. Don't start our year doing this, protesters. But they didn't disrupt the events of last night. Yeah, that's true. Because they were too big for them. Yeah. They have to pick on some vulnerable place in order to have an impact. They're frankly small numbers. Yeah, although they made a big mistake because it's Port Authority that runs a lot of the airports, as well, we know. The airport is yeah. run by Port Authority, and they do... I, I guess they don't report to City Hall. They don't report to City <laughs> Now, did you guys hear before I, I was filling in for Bo Snurdly, and we had a caller who said they had the polar plunge today, and it was in Coney Island. Oh. And he said, guess what? All these protesters showed up, but there were all these guys on Harleys that also showed up. And suddenly the protesters <laughs> well, went away. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? I'm, I'm sure they weren't going to plunge into the water with the polar uh, they, plungers. The, 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 the guys with the Harley <laughs> should have picked them up and thrown them in. Yeah, there yeah, we exactly. go. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a good one. What it is like in a, in America? Oh, well, Curtis told me I shouldn't sing. Only in America, land of opportunity. Oh, it's better than a lot of singers. Keep going, okay, John. You're no, doing no, pretty good. Right. Yeah, I won't quit my day job. Okay, why don't you introduce our guest? Yes, we have Deputy National Security Advisor under President Trump, Victoria Coates. And Victoria, you know, we've been talking about all of these different protests that are taking place now, blocking roadways. Um, I want to get to you because this this comes as we're seeing in the Red Sea. Finally, the Biden administration took a little action, but I contend it was a pinprick uh, going after these Hootsie rebels. These are the guys who have been hitting you trying to go after U.S. ships and other ships. And, you know, the administration's like patting themselves on the back for taking out. Um, well, they almost apologized yes. for it, though. Yes. They said well, it was purely defensive. We were attacked. Exactly. And Cox, that's, that's a great point, Victoria. Well, great to be with you, Rita and and Ed and John. Happy New Year to everybody. Glad we got through last night safely. Just one quick note on the protests that did happen last night. We did have some folks who who attacked Macy's, of all things, and were setting off smoke bombs, and they were protesting in favor of the Houthi. They were pro-Houthi protesters. What, was that in, was just, that where was that? Was that in in Manhattan? In Oh, well, yeah. wow, I got to take a look at that. Pro-Hootie <laughs> protesters, great. Exactly. I mean, and, and these are people who can't possibly know a single thing about the Hootie, because when we went through the process to put them on the foreign terrorist organization list, you have to do a very deep dive into an organization's terrorist behavior. And, and let me tell you, this: these people are right up there with Hamas in terms of the atrocities you, that they us, have imposed. You know some of the charities that they, that are run in the United States – uh, that the money ends up going to the Houthis or the Hamases? Well, the Hamas are slightly different because they get into the whole, like, Holy Land Foundation, John, uh, of, of, and then there are a number of, unfortunately, uh, Christian religious groups who give to, uh, to what are purported to be Palestinian Christian causes. So you think you're giving to the Church at Bethlehem, for example. They did call really me giving. for money. <laughs> did, they, uh, did it say Hootsies are us or something like no, that? Okay, I remember. <laughs> they, the Bethlehem something called me for money. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, 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 it happens. And the and these are almost all, I mean, I'm sure there might be one or two worthy folks who actually think they're doing something to support Christians in the Holy Land. But the vast majority of them have been hijacked and are are simply funneling resources primarily to Hamas. It's it's harder, thank goodness, for Americans to get money to the Houthi. 
Although, you know, what they did last night was basically a public service announcement, you know, announcing to everyone that there are Houthi supporters in the United States who think what they're doing is legitimate. What could the U.S. government do uh, to John's point about all of these? You know, maybe some people donate and they don't realize where it goes, but I'm sure there are people who donate and they know darn well where it goes. What could happen to them? How? Why aren't they tracking it? Why aren't we hearing the FBI and DOJ who were so interested in going That's after the parents? You answered your own question. Yeah, the DOJ, uh-huh. the, the, the DOJ controls the FBI in Washington. And they're the big policymakers. That's sad. That's a sad state of affairs, John, if they're turning a blind eye. And, and the White House does not want to offend its left flank. God forbid we exactly. offend people that are supporting terrorists. Exactly. Right? Uh, Victoria? Well, and, and they they want the money to go to the Palestinian uh, entities. I mean, for want of a better word. I mean, there's not a government as we would define it. But you have Hamas on the one hand. You have the Palestinian Authority. You have an alphabet soup of you know, Islamic Jihad and, and, and other groups. So they, they want them to be supported. They, they, they think this is a, some kind of legitimate institution building, you know, for the Palestinians. And so, yeah, I mean, this appeases their saw, far left base. I, I, I saw some of their, uh, Victoria, I saw some of their drones that were huge the, that they're sending. Well, how does a ragtag army of rebels, suppose these Houthis, in Yemen, uh, afford it's, those. It's the, it's the Iranian Foreign Legion. That's their other name. I mean, yeah. they were sending these big birds off one after the other. Yeah. Uh, somehow somehow I mean, they don't have a lot of them in Yemen, right? I going mean, after shipping. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, they don't, they don't grow on trees. And the other thing they've been doing recently is shooting ballistic missiles, which is even worse than drones, at our ships. I believe the Lamboon... Uh, and if you if you want something inspiring, go look up the story of, of Father Lamboon, who was both a World War II, very highly decorated Navy uh, veteran and then a chaplain in the Vietnam War. And uh, it, he gave his name to the Arleigh Burke class destroyer that shot this thing down. But it costs us two million dollars to do that. It costs them 50,000 to you know to launch the drones the ballistic missiles are a little bit more expensive but but the money's against us in this in this equation and you know they are doing this at this point with impunity as you were just saying all of our responses are defensive and we are very clear that we're not going to do anything I want to get it straight, you know, because, you know, we had three days of holidays and uh, my head is a little bit spinning I don't know if I'm coming or going and what is the last news that is verified by the Pentagon? I had read that the Pentagon has given the go-ahead for our aircraft carriers and our military to respond to uh, any threats. And uh, uh, did they knock out three of the uh, A little uh, gunships? Gunships yeah. or hoodies? Uh, Ragtag little tiny uh, so gunships. What is the policy today versus last Thursday? Unfortunately, it's it's not at all clear. And there's a reason there's confusion. And they tried to hide all this over the course of the holidays. But yesterday, there was sort of a flurry of news that CENTCOM and our British and and French allies were going to put out an official statement about an offensive action we were going to take against Houthi targets. So they leaked that. But then they didn't do it. And there was no attack overnight. And yes, we have the Eisenhower still in the Gulf of Yemen. But the Gerald R. Ford left 
last night. Right. It headed back into the Mediterranean to come home. And, and by the way, why would you announce that? That was yeah, stunning to me to say, hey, we're pulling out our because, main carrier. Because uh, uh, I th- my opinion, just an opinion. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> President, you know, uh, President Netanyahu did not listen to President Biden. Mm-hmm. So he took away his ship. Yeah, what, yeah wow. Yeah. You know, that's just my opinion. Wait, isn't that like, oh, wait a minute, son of a bee. You know, that moment yeah. at the, at, uh, you know, Interesting the Council of Foreign that Relations. I saw in the middle of all this <laughs> yes. about about Biden. He's the only one in uh, in Obama's cabinet that objected to taking out Osama bin mm-hmm. Laden. Yes. Isn't that right? Yeah. That's, he thought it was too dangerous. He thought it. <laughs> I mean, that just shows uh, what his, yeah. the president if he has any uh, cojones. Now, you you mentioned, uh, Victoria, you mentioned the French. Now, as of Friday, if my head is not spinning uh, 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 enough, uh, the French, the Spanish, the Spain, and Italy uh, uh, peed into White House's face and said, uh, don't count us in on the Red Sea. Has that changed? No, no, that's that's very much the case. And I think the reason, because I... I was trying to dig into why they were doing that. And it looks to me like at the beginning of December, there was credible reporting, which was coming sourced out of the White House and out of the administration saying they didn't want to hit the Houthi because it would endanger their opportunity to get a peace deal in very big scare quotes uh, in Yemen between the Houthi and the Saudis, which Joe Biden campaigned on. It was their big thing. They were going to end the war. Uh, stop U.S. support for the war, withdrawal support for our, our Saudi allies of 80 years, take the Houthi off the foreign terrorist organization list, and bring peace to the Middle East. So, when, uh, Victoria, they still think this is going to happen. You just hit a really important point, explaining why he took him off the foreign terror list. He hasn't put him back on, even though they're firing at us. You know what this right? is? What you I just mean, explained? This is peace. Through weakness. Yes. The only yes. way you get peace is through strength. Yeah, and he still hasn't put them on. What is a foreign terrorist if they're not the ones firing on everybody in the Red yeah. Sea? Yeah. I mean, if that's... they're not the ones firing at commercial shipping, Rita, that's what just happened with the Maersk ship yesterday or day before when it was attacked twice. And Maersk has pulled out of the Red Sea again. And so when everybody gets back in the office tomorrow... I think we're going to have some rude supply, surprises, uh, forgive me, uh, John, at the grocery called? store and at the pump. An oh crap moment? <laughs> <laughs> One of those. One, One of those oh crap moments. Oh crap. <laughs> All right. Victoria, uh, thank, thank you. you. Victoria. Happy New Year. We hope this, uh, we hope 2024 is a great year for all of us. And uh, the only way we're going to have a great year is by making changes in November. Absolutely. Well, if nothing else, it'll be exciting. Yes. Yeah, so that's for sure. You Thank you so much, Victoria. Happy New Year. Thank you. You too. And uh, joining us now uh, to talk about what's going on with traffic, transit, protests, everything else, uh, we have Chief Mike Kemper. He is the Chief of Transit at the New York City Police Department. Uh, Chief, great to have you here. This is Rita Cosby here on Cats and Cosby. Uh, fill us in. Can, do you have any update, by the way, first off, on what's going on? At all uh, with JFK and all that. I know that it's Port Authority, but some of the roads are also New York City. Yeah, so first of all, good afternoon, Rita. Good afternoon, John, and Happy New Year to both of you. Um, you know, as of right now, look, I, I, I supervise or I oversee the transit system, which is the subway system, but, you know, I am aware of what's going on. Uh, you know, as of right now, the airports are open. There's uh, minimal disruptions. Uh, no one took over any airport. Uh, I know Port Authority was having a, a checkpoint. Uh, 
in and uh, into the airport, which was uh, probably causing some traffic. But, you know, as of right now, it's, uh, you know, business as usual. The airport's uh, operational with no delays that I'm aware of. Great. That's great to hear. Um, is is there a preparation plans for these protests? Like, you know, whether they decide to even hit the subways or elsewhere? Absolutely. It's, it's critically important that we're aware of what's going on. And we pride ourselves with, uh, you know, having, you know, good intelligence. And a lot of what we do is driven uh, by intelligence. So if we become aware of uh, a protest, whether it's planned or last minute, uh, we're a dynamic police department, and we have the ability to shift resources, uh, you know, immediately. So, uh, Chief, I've been uh, something I've been concerned about, and that is these fare jumpers, people who avoid the fares. What's happened to now? Are are we cracking down on them, or what's the situation? Yeah, so uh, that's a great question. That's a question I get asked a lot. The answer is yes, and, and you know, fare evasion. Uh, enforcement and really, you know, presence at those turnstiles is a, you know, big, big component to our, uh, you know, crime reduction strategy uh, that started about a year ago. If you look at fare evasion this year, just to put it in perspective, you know, it'll probably answer your question very easily. Um, We're up 47% in fare evasion contacts this year versus last year. That 41% represents uh, just about 42,000 more uh, fare evasion contacts this year than last year. To put that in, in either greater perspective, we have over 132,000 either arrests or summonses for fare evasion this year. So, so if you could arrest them, though, but in that process, you find people who created other crimes, warrants are out for them, things like that. Is that still the result of your arrests? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the value uh, behind that fare evasion is uh, uh, so strong, so much. I mean, you know, we, we're, we're finding people that... Uh, fair evade that are in possession of weapons, I'm talking about guns, knives, other weapons, people that are wanted on some serious uh, warrants and crimes such as murder, you know, sex crimes, rapes, robberies, assaults. So, again, you know, tremendous value behind that. But, you know, I, I got to say the fair evasion consequences, you know, in, in 2023, you know, moving into 2024 now, you know, the consequences are not uh, the same as what they were just a few years back. You know, it's civil. You know, fair evasion right now is a civil matter. Uh, it's a, a civil fine. And it's, a, it's a monetary fine. Uh, and, uh, you know, what's but no, nobody got chief. Nobody goes to jail. For fair, solely for fair evasion. Yes. Uh, no, you're not going to go to jail solely for fair evasion. It's a civil summons. But it does give us the ability to uh, stop, you know, run their name. And if they have warrants, uh, you know, they're arrested. And if they're arrested. You know, search just to that They still arrested. go home for dinner, don't they? <laughs> uh, just about 97.5% of them are released within minutes with a civil summons. While, while, while the patrol officer is still making up paperwork. Yeah, you know, listen, th- th- this, is, uh, this is what we talk about all the time. And look, we, we could talk about consequences also. We, we, we arrest people in the subway system for committing crimes. We have. You know, we'll call them recidivist criminals that we arrest dozens of times. We've arrested people this year for committing, you know, some some serious crimes in the subway system that have been arrested over a hundred times. Can oh, you imagine? That's amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah I, you know, we're trying to tell that to our politicians. You know, at what point enough is enough? It used to be under uh, the Rockefeller laws, three strikes and you're out. Well, what time? What is it now? Is it thirty-eight strikes and you're out? Three hundred. It, it's, it's getting it's getting silly. It's yeah. getting silly. We got to protect our citizens. 
Yeah, and I feel well, bad for law enforcement, you know, because they want to do we, their job. We support law enforcement. Yeah, big time. And we, we want you guys, we protect your backs any time you need us to protect your backs. And and what's happening right now is horrible. Yeah, and, and, and look, when, when talking about that, I mean, you know, the police department always gets the blame for everything. And I try to explain to people, it's very important people understand that we're just one layer of the criminal justice system, the police department, you know, maybe, the, you know, the most visible, some people might say the most important, but, you know, we're the beginning, we make the arrest. And then once that arrest is made, it's handed off to multiple different layers of a justice system. So, you know, what do I mean by that? Prosecutors, judges, uh, you know, everyone's bound by these laws that are passed by our legislatures and city councils. So if you're asking what the NYPD is doing, I'm telling you in a subway system, our arrests are up dramatically. We're at historic highs. Uh, you know, we're up 53% this year in arrests, which comes to 4,760 more arrests this year than last year. So if anyone's curious or questioning what is the NYPD doing, well, we're doing our job. We're making the arrests. The question is, is what's happening to these arrests after they leave the police department's hands and go into these different layers of this justice. That must, no, be, right. that must be discouraging, so but great for the blue. Yeah, great absolutely. Blue. Well, you keep up the good work, and uh, we'll try to uh, keep the pressure on the other direction, too. Um, and we always support our great men and women in blue there. Chief Kemper, thank you, um, and we so appreciate everybody there dealing with transit at the NYPD. It's a lot of layers, um, but we're with you. Thank you very much, Chief. We thank really you. appreciate it. Thank you. And everybody coming up, uh, we have Senator Al D'Amato, and he's mad as heck about the migrants. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Well, you know, uh, New York City mayor had an executive order saying no more buses. Uh, they got to be approved 32 hours in advance. So what happened uh, over the last few days? Uh, Abbott sent buses to New Jersey to Secaucus, and then he put them on a train, and then they still came to New York City anyway. Are you saying that the Texans are smarter? Yeah, you know, they know the two-step. They're doing the two-step there. And joining us now to talk about all of this is one smart guy, uh, the greatest senator ever in New York, uh, Senator Al D'Amato. Senator, what a mess we're in with this migrant situation, and I don't see any end in sight. It is. There's only one way. And and the only way you're going to get Sleepy Joe uh, to wake up is if the Congress of the United States, the Republicans in the House, come together as they have up until now and say, we will not pass anything. We will not pass a spending bill, whether it's for the military or whatever it is. We're not going to pass it. Until we pass legislation that will secure the border once and for all. And people should write to their members of Congress and say, stand up for America. 
because America is getting wiped out. 300,000 illegals that we know of. How many more that we didn't catch that came over? How many criminals came over? How many people who, who are absolutely looking to tear this country down? Uh, this is incredible. That was 300,000 in one month. One place. month. Yep. So I, I have to tell you, if you say we're not going to pass any bill, any bill, no matter how important it is, because it's more important that we secure this country. And that's what they have to do. If they do that, and let me tell you, when they go back, they're going to get a lot of pressure on them. The Congress and the, the Senate and the House, they've got to stand tall. They've got to stand up for America. Otherwise, we're just being wiped out. And that is what's taking place. The United States is being wiped out. Imagine we're being invaded. Even, even, Senator, even if 80% of them are decent people coming in, that yep. 20% that are not decent people, uh, that uh, how are, many are criminals, John? Well, how, uh, released how many a lot. Are rapists? How many are, are just well? How, how many in are Suffolk County? In Suffolk County, this country. They got yeah. whooping cough disease. Where did this whooping cough disease from? Uh, some of the doctors in in, in, in Nassau County, Suffolk County, tell me, uh, or in New York, that the kids have lice in their in their hair. And this never right. happened before. And these kids are going to be sitting next to your kids uh, in schools and and uh, this week when the schools open up. Uh, and who pays for those kids coming to these schools? And and what happens to the budget deficits? And one, what happens to to the people who 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 don't have a place to live? And you've got more people coming in every single day. Yeah, there's no end in sight. No, you know, by the way, did you see um, Senator D'Amato, what they're doing in California, guys? California today uh, becomes the first state in the country. Undocumented immigrants, no matter the age, will qualify for free health care. They're competing with New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They want the the, uh, prize. Listen, whether they have health care or don't have health care, they, if they show up in a hospital, I think every doctor treats whoever's. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So let, let, let's oh. not, uh, I mean, we, we got a serious problem and, oh. and unless, unless it's the executive the, office does something. Problem yeah, no, you're this right. Country faces, John. And you talk about the economy. You can't be taken in two plus million people a year. Uh, most of them who will not find any meaningful work of any kind, who really become public charges and and think this country is going to prosper. We are in deep trouble. But it and starts from I'll the top, you. Senator. It starts from the top. And and last week, you know, we had uh, Secretary Blinken and we had Mayorkas. They go down to Mexico. They meet with the Mexican president, who's thrilled that we have an open border. And they, they have no announcement. I mean, in other words, nothing happened. I mean, that that to me is pathetic. That's because we got butkus. Yeah. Well, nada. <laughs> An espanol. Because we have no leadership whatsoever. None. Sleepy Joe is he's there he's on another vacation. This guy is taking more vacations than than the last half dozen presidents combined. hundred and forty days. This is incredible what is going on. 
And I have to tell you, it, it's up to the members of of Congress, our senators and our congressmen to come together and to say, we're not going to pass any legislation, no matter how important it is, until we have legislation that really secures protect, the border. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, protect, they got to hold the line. Protect the United States of America. Protect it from, you know, protect it from people that are coming in that we don't know who they are. Yeah, you just got to vet them. And all he had to do was actually keep in place what was there before, remain in Mexico, vetting them before they come in. Senator, thank you. We love you. We appreciate having you, and Happy New Year. Well, healthy, happy New Year to you. And reach out to your congressmen and tell them. We yell about it every day, uh, Senator. Anything until we secure the border. Absolutely. Thank you, Senator D'Amato. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's take a break, and when we come back, uh, the worst dress list and the best dress list. Well, Roger Stone, our, our newest host on WABC, it, it, the list just came out, and he's been doing it every year. Let's see who's on it. Let's take that break. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back. Well, Mr. Blackwell did this list for years, and Roger Stone took it over in a huge way, and it is the best and worst dress list. It just came out. And uh, Roger, who is one of the most dapper guys, by the way. He is. He, he should be at the top of his list. He should be. But no, he, he's being so modest, I'm sure he's he, not the Right, top. but he the should be. And the newest host on WABC. Exactly, and the newest host on WABC. Um, and speaking of ABC, you had a New Year's. You had a busy night. You had a full house here on well, New Year's Dominic, house. Dominic Carter was here, and and Nancy uh, uh, Sli- Sliwa, Curtis was here, Margo. Margot was on the well-dressed list last night. Oh, she's always on the well-dressed oh, she, list. Oh, she's dressed the uh, night. Yeah, she should be number one on the list. Who made it on the list here, Raj? Well, uh, first of all, uh, thank you very much for having me. I previewed this list on the Roger Stone Show on Sunday, New Year's Eve. Uh, and to prove to you that it's not political or ideological, Mayor Eric Adams was first on my list. He is, without any question, the best-dressed mayor of New York City since Bo James, uh, Jimmy Walker himself. So he he may be uh, confronting a migrant crisis, a crime crisis, perhaps a corruption scandal, but he is always elegantly turned out. Melania Trump moved from just the best category to lifetime achievement, where she joins Larry Kudlow, who was on my list so many years in a row, I had to move him to the lifetime uh, achievement category. Marianne Williamson, a Democratic candidate uh, for president, not somebody I agree with on any issue, but always extraordinarily well turned out. Greg Kelly, uh, kind of amazing. Two different WABC stars, both on my best dressed list. And then, of course, there's the worst dress category. Yeah. By, by the way, I do love that you um, we have high standards here at WABC. Everybody has to be super well dressed. So, um, so <laughs> I'm glad that you noticed that. I love that you picked a lot of WABC great hosts here. And Ed and John should have been on the list. If I was voting, I would have put I, you well, there. Absolutely. My problem is I never buy anything 
more than $99. But it looks good. It's a good deal. You kidding me? It looks like $990. That's even better. Good deal list. You get the good deal list, the well dressed good deal list. So who's on the worst dressed list? Well, sadly, uh, Jill Biden comes in for her second year as a row. I'm not sure if those are kitchen curtains or a tablecloth that she chooses to make her dresses out of, but these bold floral patterns just don't work. And if you saw what she was wearing last night, I actually put it up on my ex, formerly Twitter feed. It was particularly nasty. Ron DeSantis, I didn't even know if this guy owned a suit for the first two years of his governorship. He was always wearing kind of an ill-fitting blazer, but when he showed up with those those shoes that kind of curl up and they appear to have lifts in them, he made my worst dress list. John Fetterman, U.S. Senator, they actually, Chuck Schumer actually relaxed the House, pardon me, the Senate floor rules that required that the male members wear a jacket and tie so that Fetterman could wear, you know, cut off uh, cargo shorts, a baggy T-shirt uh, and a hoodie. And the U.S. Senate overrode him and replaced uh, the requirements in a matter of decorum. Uh, And then, of course, uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House spokeswoman, she obviously thinks more about what she's going to say than what she's going to wear. Uh, And I'm sorry, but multiple times in a year, Steve Bannon. The man looks like he chases down hobos to get his his wardrobe or he's dumpster diving. Now I think out. I think we should put your best dress list, worst dress list. Are we allowed to put it on uh, the WABC website? Sure, absolutely. All I'm right, uh, Rich Radabali, make sure you put it on the website. You have a copy of it. All right, okay. uh, Roger, you do a great job. I enjoy listening to you. Thank you for everything you do, and uh, happy New Year. I hope we have a great year. We need a good year, Roger. I agree. Anybody who wants to see the full list can go to rogerstone.substack.com. Thanks, awesome. John. Thanks, Rita. Thank God you. bless you Happy all. New Year, Raj. Thanks so much. And joining us now is Dr. Mark Siegel, who's always very well-dressed. Um, Dr. Siegel, um, we had you on to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. First off, I want to ask you, John was talking about um, it's a, there's this whooping cough that's going on in Suffolk County, like a lot of cases of it. Do you know anything about it? Well, sure. So it's on the list that I look at, but it may not be on the media list, which is everybody right now, a lot of people are suffering from respiratory viruses of some kind or infections, and they don't know what they are, and they're worried that they're COVID all the time. May not be COVID, may not be flu, may be RSV, but also whooping cough is something, by the way, when you take a Tdap vaccine, it's called a Tdap vaccine. The P is for pertussis, and pertussis is whooping cough. We think that only occurs to young children, but it occurs to all of us. And we get this cough that persists. And that's definitely a big outbreak in Suffolk County right now, where I am currently. Searching for John at all the restaurants, but I think he's in New York. Yeah, he is. He's a hardworking man today, too. Um, Dr. Siegel, you also want to talk about inflammation, because that's a big thing um, that causes a lot of health issues. Well, you know, Rita, you wanted to talk about inflammation, and you are so right. It is the billion-dollar word we don't use enough because, you know, first of all, in the U.S., in our food, we have a lot of chemicals, and the chemicals cause inflammation in our body. Gaining weight causes inflammation in our body. When you have that so-called beer belly, it's actually inflammatory chemicals in there, interleukins and cytokines. They lead to heart disease. They lead to cancer. They lead to high blood pressure, 
and they, we got to get rid of them. So, you know, people always say, and I bet you heard this over this vacation, I went to Europe, I ate pasta, I drank wine, and I didn't gain a pound. And that's because they don't have the same chemicals we do. We need farm-to-table brought back here. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, you know, my father's Polish, and when I go over to Poland, the vegetables have no preservatives. The Danish uh, queen is resigning? Yes, she's after many, many years. She's relinquishing her crown. Isn't that interesting? After like 52 years. Uh, Queen Queen Magreta, she says that it's time for sort of a new generation um, and to sort of transform the monarchy there, which is interesting, you know? So, well, so we got I'm all... more of a believer in the old generation changing their thinking in line with the new generation. Why do you have to be farmed out to pasture? I mean, look, look at look at us. We we we're still hip, right? Yeah, we sure are. We sure. And by the way, on the other side, my father's Polish side, um, uh, they don't have any preservatives. And I, whenever I go over to Poland, the vegetables are so great. Like you have a vegetable soup, it is so fresh. And it's because they don't put the preservatives in it. So it tastes like it, it, it's it's like the most amazing like beet soup or asparagus soup. Getting back to the inflammation topic, Dr. Siegel. And by the way, my wife just got back from Budapest, said all she could find was Hungarian goulash and chicken pap- paprikash. And I said, that's that's fine. What do you need more than that? Right. That's, <laughs> it, it, it's all it's all about the ingredients that you use. And I agree with where, what John was about to say before we cut them off, which is add a lot of vegetables and salads. I mean, you know, you, you should have a diet that's heavy in vegetables and salad and fruits and berries. Berries are incredibly helpful. I agree 100%. You know, my new expression, even though we're in the food business, in the supermarket business, that if our creator made it, eat it. If one of the big corporate companies made it, be careful. There you go. That's farm to table. So, you know, go to a, go to a place where they grow their own food. Can't beat that. A tomato that comes right out of the ground, right? Well, Absolutely. Dr. Siegel, thank you so much for coming on. We love you, and I look forward to our next dinner. And by the way, Rita is right. The less inflammation in your body, the better you're going to do. And the way, the way to get rid of inflammation is to eat really healthy foods and exercise regularly, drink a lot of water. That's New Year's resolution number one. God All bless right. you. Thank, thank you. you. Let's, let's take a break. And then when we come back, we got Bill O'Reilly, and he is upset about a couple of things going on. Uh, let's go to that break right away. Let's come back with Bill O'Reilly. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Our next guest is a mega best selling author, uh, more nonfiction books out than anybody. And in fact, the latest one is Killing the Witch is another big bestseller. More than 19 million books sold. He's also Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly every night on WABC Radio 9 to 10 p.m. And uh, Bill, it's great to have you here and Happy New Year. And I, I want to get to your column about how the migrant situation ties in with the far left. Take it away. Well, I've been thinking about uh, the country uh, for the last um, 12 days when I've been off. And uh, I'm a boring guy, Rita. You know me for many years. You know how boring I am. So that's no, what you're I not do. boring. You are not boring. That's that... what I do for fun. I just think about the country. I'm glad you are. <laughs> so this is uh, 2024, one of the most important years in American history. 
Because for the first time, the progressive left, the radical left, many of whom are socialists, have control of the media, the corporate media, and have elections that they are able to pour a fierce amount of money into. And nobody really can regulate that. Now, once you have that kind of money, and we're talking $400 million from one individual, okay, from one guy, the high-tech guy, the Facebook guy, all right, once you have that kind of money and then you have the media, you got power, big power. So Zuckerberg throws the $400 million, and tomorrow on Common Sense, Tuesday night on WABC, I'm going to interview a guy who traced the Zuckerberg money. Nobody's done that. Where did the $400 million actually go? It's really frightening. So you assume this will happen again in 2024. The American people and New Yorkers and everybody else are not getting the information they need to understand what's happening. So a light went on in my, in my brain. I wrote a column that's on BillOReilly.com. It's free. You don't have to join. Just go there and you just read it. When Gavin Newsom made an announcement last week that he – the state of California is going to pick up 100% of all the health care costs from every migrant that is in California. Legal, illegal, doesn't matter. They're paying for it all. That's socialism. If you look at Europe, half the countries do that and half don't. But it's going to add another $3 billion a year to the California budget, which is $108 billion in the red. I mean, it's, they're hemorrhaging money there. So I'm going to myself, this is insane. Why would Newsom and California, the largest state, encourage migrants to come to their state? Why? There's only one reason, and that is because Americans, as it stands now, will never vote for socialism, ever. Yes, the Upper West Side and the village might. But by and large, they're not going to vote for socialism. But new residents down the road may, particularly if they're on government assistance from the jump. And that's what California is doing. So I went, this is really, if you want a socialist country, we are on the way to that. And most people don't understand it, Rita. They don't see the big picture. Now, let's bring it into New York City. Hochul, the governor, doesn't understand how she is being manipulated by the far-left socialistic movement in Albany. She doesn't understand it, not smart enough to, to know it. What's happening in the state, and we have documented it on WABC hundreds of times, is that there is a move out to the tune of a hundred more than 100000 a year of affluent taxpayers. They're moving out of the state. I mean, the New York Post ran the numbers uh, this weekend. It's staggering. More people leave New York State than any other state, including California, because migrants are taking the place of people in California. Well, that's what's happening here in New York State. So massive taxpayers, people who are really – funneling the money into the city and state, they're going. Replaced by poor people and young people. Young people still flock to Manhattan because there are jobs there. 
But that's going to dry up in the next five years when AI comes in. New York State is going to go bankrupt in five years if this insanity on the left continues here. Now, I've, I've given you my monologue. One question. How many New Yorkers understand what I have just told you? 17%. I don't, I don't think many. Bill, in California, if... it's worse because there the media is shut down completely. There is no WABC in California. It does not exist. There is no major newspaper that will report this. They know it. The LA Times knows it. Won't report it. New York Times won't report it. The New York Post will. And WABC will. Local news in New York? Forget it. Forget it. So you have a population that doesn't get information. And the information that we are talking about is going to make or break the city of New York. And that's why this year is so important. And WABC takes on a more important role because it's an independent purveyor of information. And it cares. Radio station cares about the city. I don't think most of the other radio stations care about anything but money. They don't care about the city, my opinion. No, absolutely. And everybody, we're talking to Bill O'Reilly, Ed Cox. Bill, if the basic New Yorkers understood what you just described, they would be horrified. Because while New York is a blue state, I maintain that it is a not west side Manhattan blue or Park Slope blue. It is blue collar blue. And they would be horrified if they understood exactly what you're saying. The fact is the Democrat socialists control Albany with supermajorities and they're pushing the governor around. And the judicial system, the judges, and that is why they allow people to go out on the street after they are charged with violent crimes. And with the highest court in New York, the Senate just muscled in a progressive chief judge and forced out the old judge so they could put in their own chief judge. So they've got the the top of the judiciary now rooting for them. There are unintended consequences for everything in life. The unintended consequence of New York State going radical left, being controlled by the radical left, while the media doesn't care or enables it, is that affluent, brilliant people are leaving. They are not going to be replaced. And don't underestimate this AI. That is going to wipe out a lot of entry-level jobs in Wall Street, in real estate, in all of the industries that New York City used to recruit younger people to coming here. Those jobs are not going to exist in five years. And you're going to be looking at a state and city that is absolutely bankrupt. Same thing's going to happen in California. Same exact thing. People are going to flee. They're going to have to flee because the confiscation of property is going to start. You're going to see these bills. Oh, we're going to take 30% of what your net worth is. We're going to take it. Now, that's unconstitutional, and we still have a Supreme Court, I believe, that does uphold the Constitution. But we certainly don't have that in Albany. Yeah. Now, what about also um, 
what do you advise people to listening to? Because obviously this is such a huge year and we've got a, you know, obviously a major presidential election, Congress. Uh, could things turn around or are you concerned it's going to go more the other way? I don't know. It's hard to predict because it shouldn't even be close. Donald Trump should be up 20 points on Joe Biden because Biden is such a disaster. Second worst president in history, as we've already discussed, next to James Buchanan, but the worst president in modern history. And, and Biden's not going to change. It's not like he's going to uh, start to solve problems in his last year. He's not. He's incapable of it. He just can't do it. And the radical left controls everything he does. So Washington is not going to get any better. The migrants are not going to get any fewer. The taxes are not going to get any lower. This all plays into Trump's wheelhouse. But the unfortunate circumstance is that Donald Trump cannot discipline himself and his message to keep it on policy. And he strays into the personal. And the personal kills him among independents and women. Now, I, if the election were held tomorrow, I believe Trump would be fine. But it wouldn't be a lockdown. It would be competitive. And it shouldn't be. If you look at the four years Trump was president, it was things were light years better in this country, even with COVID, than they are now. Yeah, no, you're right. You look at the numbers. Um, and, and, you know, the thing is, you know, one thing I think about, uh, Bill, some of the numbers lately on uh, approval of Biden, he gets like it's like a 28 percent approval on the economy. He gets 26 on the border. I keep thinking, who are the 26 that say he's doing a good job on the border? You know, I mean, these are some of the lowest numbers we've ever seen. Yeah, well, those are the radical people. Those are the people that are the anarchists that are out there supporting Hamas and all of that. The key number, Rita, is Americans are paying 18% more for the essentials of life, rent, food, fuel, than they did under Trump. Yeah, we all feel it every day. We all feel it. Bill O'Reilly, we love you. Thank you, Bill. And everybody, make sure you tune in tonight, too, everybody. Nine o'clock. Happy New Year, you guys. Thanks for having me on. And check out the column on BillOReilly.com, too. It's a great column. Well, we pray for America, we pray for our city, we pray for our state, and we pray for the world. And this new year, we hope 2024 is a great year for America because we need one. And a safe one, yeah. And what do we stand for, you guys? Truth, Truth, justice, justice, and the the American American way. way. God bless